Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on episode 28 of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we discuss how Liga MX continues to dominate the soccer TV ratings in the USA, what changes NBC should consider for their Premier League coverage next season, as well as all of the latest news and analysis of soccer TV coverage, and the questions and feedback from you, the listeners. My name is Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, and I'm joined here by Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, how are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm actually uh, just got back. Well, actually, I'm still not back home yet. So uh, I'll be home in the next few days. But I spent the past about seven days in Wales and England uh, to go back uh, to visit family. Uh, had a great time. Really, really good time. Um, unfortunately, there was, the, of course, the bombing in Manchester um, on Sunday night, Monday morning. So that's uh, that was very. Uh, I mean, it was sad news overall. Just, just, just shock, shocking news, really. But, um, but I'm glad to be back. And uh, I didn't watch any soccer. That's the thing, though. Too. I actually went uh, on Sunday. I was there. I was there for the Sunday. Well, not too far from Swansea, actually, on that Sunday, and for the final uh, game of the season. Uh, but I, I was at a christening that day. Um, so every my schedule just did not uh, fit with any soccer, and I actually didn't get to watch any of it on television either. Uh, I saw a few minutes of the Europa League final, but um, but never, nevertheless, it was good to get away and recharge the batteries and uh, visit the UK and, and kind of catch up with family. But Karting, uh, so let's jump in then too. Um, it's been a big week in terms of lots of football on television. Uh, I didn't see any any of it, but you did. So what have you been watching this past week? Well, I mean, we're coming off, um, we're recording this Friday morning, which is a, a day nor, uh, later than we normally recorded, and that gave us the opportunity to watch um, the, the uh, Tigres Chivas first leg of the uh, Liga MX final last night, and, and what a match. Um, Chivas, uh, and the ratings for this are going to be enormous, because this is Chivas' first final in uh, the first time they've been to a final in 20 seasons, and they are one of the two real giants as far as popularity. Uh, if, as far as Mexican clubs, for those who don't follow that league closely, uh, they get out to a 2 0 lead at Tigres. But um, that man, Gignac, uh, who I think a lot of our listeners might be familiar uh, with from his uh, Liga 1 days and his exploits uh, with the French national team, with two great goals, one in the 85th minute and then a, um, a, 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 a far post, tight angled chip of the keeper in the 87th or 88th minute to bring it level at 2-2, and uh, they go to the second leg now, Sunday night, with all the play for. That will be in Guadalajara um, at, at Chivas' home ground. But uh, on uh, AstroTurf, our, our artificial turf, the only artificial turf surface in the Mexican first division. So that um, – that was uh, that was great. That was last night. Uh, but let's uh, let's go let's let's go back to the beginning of um, last week because there's been so much going on. And we had the, the final day of the Bundesliga, multi match ninety. Once again, a very good job by Fox Sports uh, and by Ross Dyer hosting that. There was a lot on the line, and, and now Wolfsburg has fallen into relegation playoff. They won that first leg one nil under uh, against Braunschweig, who's a local club. Uh, not not far from them, uh, but uh, they have a second leg to, to negotiate. But Hamburg's escape, 
great escape the last couple of weeks. The stoppage time goal, which everyone saw in multi-match 90 the previous week. And then, um, and then the escape with the win uh, that day. Leverkusen won. Uh, Augsburg uh, got uh, the results they needed. So Wolfsburg fell uh, to 16th and into the relegation playoff. Let's not forget, just a year ago, Wolfsburg made the knockout stages in the Champions League, getting through a group that included Manchester United, who fell to the Europa League. So big fall for them. Um, really good presentation, once again, for Fox on multinational match 90, the final day of the Bundesliga season. Um, I'm, I, I'm not quite sure how they're doing this, because obviously they get the speeds from Sky um, Sky Germany, and, and, and those uh, the commentary is in... Um, is in German. So I think what they're doing is they're stripping the commentary off of the feed or they're getting a raw feed from the stadium and having Ross Dyer narrate over, unless it's a, a game that's on BT and it's being called by Derek Ray or it's their, their own Fox game, which John Strong is calling. So, uh, or, or whoever, Keith Costigan, John Strong. So that was, um, that was the final day of the Bundesliga season. Uh, was up early the next morning to watch, um, England and Argentina in the U 20 tournament. And, um, Great result for England. Uh, they played long ball uh, under under Paul Simpson. <laughs> Against the run of play, they won 3-0. And um, that's the FIFA U-20 World Cup, by the way, which is going on in, in South Korea right now. Uh, goals from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He got the first goal uh, completely against the run of play. And then uh, Adam Armstrong, uh, who... I think forever now we thought was going to develop into a uh, capable player for Newcastle. And uh, the third goal was from the spot and I am blanking out who got that, but uh, good, good result there. And it's great. Fox is showing us all these teams on FS one and FS two. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. The prem final day was a bit anticlimactic. There wasn't a whole lot uh, to get excited about. Uh, there was some suspense early on, right? When Liverpool couldn't break through against, um, Borough. against Burrow. Yeah. Right. And um, there was um, a, a questionable non-call on, on what could have been a penalty. Uh, but after that, it, it just was very, according to form, um, NBC did a very good job, I think, with the um, goal zone, two-and-a-half-hour goal zone, uh, another of which was simulcast on NBC itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump was giving a speech in Saudi Arabia, which was uh, unfortunate for those who want to watch Spurs on MSNBC. About 60 minutes of the Spurs uh, Hull game got preempted, and that was uh, that was too bad because by the time they got to the game, I think the score was four or five to one in favor of Spurs, and they ended up winning seven to one. But um, yeah, pretty I, good from NBC. We'll talk more about NBC later in the show. Uh, that I called the yes, but, but yeah, it's a, that's a tough one too because especially with it being MS and NBC out of all the channels that were on that day, that's probably the one that's most likely to if something did break, some big news. Uh, especially on on a on a Sunday too. So in some ways, it's unfortunate that they picked that channel. Um, I guess I mean CNBC. You mean it's kind of you, usually financial news is not going to happen. Breaking news on a Sunday morning type of thing. Um, but something to consider for next year, maybe perhaps if you do something similar, is maybe they try and pick and choose a, a channel that's not going to be uh, preempted uh, if if some big news happens. Like a, I think they own Chiller. Which is a horror channel, which is also under the uh, NBC umbrella. So maybe something, maybe a lesson learned, perhaps for next season. Yeah, or, or you bump the, the least significant game to MSNBC because the thing is, um, and I think we talked about this. Like, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on there, but I've, I've talked about it privately with so many people, the um, including with a, a prominent UK journalist, UK-based journalist who I talked to from London the other day um, after this happened about the. Um, the passion of Spurs fans in the United States, and that there are uh, there are more Manchester United fans than Spurs fans, or Arsenal fans than Spurs fans, but it seems the volume, the uh, the um, intensity of Spurs fans is, is greater than just about any supporters face in the U.S. So that's absolutely the wrong team to have in a preempted match uh, for MSNBC, uh, for NBC and MSNBC. So I think that's a, that's a lesson learned. Uh, moving on, there was an NPSL game here locally between, uh, or not locally, about an hour and a half north of me in uh, the Treasure Coast of Florida between Beaches FC and the Central Florida Craze. And I, uh, I got to call that game for Sports Mesh TV, which uh, broadcasts the NPSL Sunshine Conference. Um, I'm occasionally called in on spot duty to call games when they're uh, – their uh, first string broadcasters or contracted broadcasters are not uh, available. And um, 
it was actually an excellent game. I mean, I, I was thinking, gosh, after the excitement of Bundesliga and Premier League, and I had been up early to watch that uh, U20 game, the England game. I'm like, ah, geez, I'm not, do I really want to call an NPSL game? So it was a very, very good game. And you, um, and you can actually find my call uh, on YouTube if you just uh, um, Google that game or, or Sports Match TV. Um, got home, watched um, the uh, last uh, 60 minutes or so of Seattle-Orlando uh, from NWSL. It was, a, it was a good game. Orlando's defense is playing better. Same go-90 problems. I talk about it every week. Um, it's like I'm beating a dead horse now, so I'll, I'll just say I watched that game and had some of the same complaints that I uh, had previously. Uh, up early the next morning to watch U-20 U.S.-Ecuador, and uh, the U.S. story in this U-20 World Cup is uh, is really interesting, Chris, because you've got a number of players who are under 20 who um, were not released by their clubs. Weston McKinney, who did play for Schalke on that final match day uh, in the Bundesliga. Uh, Haji Wright, who made the bench for Schalke that final match day. Uh, Nick Tadegway, who I, I don't, I think probably would have made this U20 team, but maybe not. He's also at Schalke. And then Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was released by Spurs and did captain the U.S. in the second game, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, but was not available for this game because he had been um, his Spurs had obviously had a game the same day, right, or earlier the same day, right. in, uh, or the, actually the previous day, if you look at, uh, obviously, this game is on Monday in Korea. Um, so the U.S. defense was was um, was makeshift, and they gave up two goals right off the bat, fell behind 2-0 to Ecuador, uh, and uh, props to Fox. They, they're covering the U.S. U-20 team properly and it's on fs1 it's not relegated to espnu or when when espn used to have these fifa tournaments um they would bump the games to to random places right espnu espn classic uh, some games weren't even available on television so props to them now i, I maybe it's because of the time windows also it becomes much easier because it's coming from korea and the u17s this year will be from india so the similar time considerations but um us fell behind 2-0 they 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 equalized 2-2 with two goals from josh Sargent, who's a 17 year old uh, who many questioned tab ramos of uh, the u.s coach calling him into the u20 team he'd never been capped at the u20 level before this tournament but he's been so good at the u17 level has scored as consistently for the us u17 team as christian pulisic did for the us u17 team that ramos felt like he needed um a guy who could score goals in the striker position, and he didn't have that in the U20 pool. So he calls uh, Sargent, and he gets two goals. It's 2-2. Then uh, the U.S. goalkeeper, Jonathan Klinsman, who is the um, son of Jurgen Klinsman, gets caught on the ball trying to do Emmanuel Neuer or Hugo Lloris imitation. Uh, Ecuador gets a goal 3-2, but then De La Torre scores at the death for the United States. Fantastically exciting game. Uh, U.S. gets gets out of there with a 3-3 draw against Ecuador. And... Um, Again, Fox did a uh, Fox did a really credible job in, in broadcasting this game um, and uh, and doing the uh, do, do, and doing the broadcast. Um, so then, let's move to midweek. Uh, USL Rochester played Tampa Bay. Uh, that was a um, difficult game for me to watch in a, in a sense because Rochester has uh, has uh, changed their. Um, their broadcast team, and they're not—they're not quite as good as the previous broadcasters. And this is due to USL Productions and USL centralizing um, things. Rochester had uh, has had good broadcasters for 20 years. Guys who really knew the sport. Uh, people who actually, in fact, listened to this show or listened to the predecessor of this show uh, when we would uh, do our, our EPL reviews. Uh, but now the new announcers—I'm I'm, not—I think it'll take them some time. But they, they seem less familiar with the club and the history and the league than I uh, would have liked. Um, you had the Europa League final from, uh, from uh, Stockholm, which Fox had uh, Alexi Lawless do with, um, God, why am I blanking on who, who did the, uh, uh, and Keith Costigan. Keith, Keith Costigan. Costigan and, right. Yeah, Costigan and Lawless. I thought Lawless had a pretty good game, but again, he sounded subdued, kind of depressed, um, very, um, as you would kind of expect, defensive of, uh, of, of Mourinho's tactics, which were, uh, <laughs> you know, um, were were pragmatic to use the term that Jose loves to use. Um, it, um, the studio show was pretty good, and I and I felt like Fox um, obviously didn't want to over overdo it with John Strong, who I believe calls the FA Cup final this weekend, and then 
the Champions League final the following weekend, then goes to Russia, uh, probably for Confederations Cup. I'm not sure. We'll have some more details on that. Um, in the near future, but um, so so, but. so so with that card, I, I mean, I was um, so so I got, I got a couple of texts from some some of my friends, and they were saying about because uh, actually at the Europa League final, I was in London. Um, I think I was out to dinner with with my family, so I was, didn't catch the game until the very very end. But during dinner, I was got a couple of texts from friends just saying that they just could not stand Alexi Lalas and just his. Uh, basically very negative or very dour kind of uh, commentary style and just that just it did not like it at all I mean, they were, they were well, uh, the, game. the game was very negative though in defensive lines right. i mean right. he was uh he sounded depressed but i think look i mean Mourinho has this effect and maybe yeah. maybe lala should be more more prepared and more professional about it but the game was very boring the game yeah. was terrible yeah. uh once uh united got that goal i mean i, I don't know how i mean but, 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 but it's difficult. Yeah, and, and and really, I mean, that's what I expected too. I mean, this Ajax team, and I've been raving about this Ajax team for se- the last several podcasts. Such an attacking, beautifully creative team, and just just so exciting to watch. One of my most favorite ga- uh, teams I've been watching in the last few, six months. But uh, I knew against United in terms of coming up against a very organized, more defensively minded, but very compact. At a team that was plays very intelligently in terms of knowing when to to break, knowing when to counter, but but just trying to control games and control teams. That Ajax would have a very good, difficult time uh, beating this side, and I, especially with uh, Pogba's goal, which was really a deflection. I mean, that really shouldn't have been credited to him, but he got it. It should have been an own goal. Um, but in the rules of the game, it, 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 it is a positive. Well, you you got to criticize, and, and Gab Marcotti did this on ESPN FC that night. You got to criticize Bose for not having a uh, a plan B because yeah. he knows he's coming up against Mourinho, as as uh, as Marcotti said. And you know what Mourinho's going to do in these games? It's not it's not any great mystery, and um, yeah. they didn't have a plan B. So, so um, yeah, Lawless's call was kind of depressing. It was lifeless. But the points he was making were, were good. I, mm-hmm. I felt like he had a good game. It's just the um, enthusiasm and energy we were used to hearing from him was not there. But, again, I mean, Mourinho has that effect on all of us, I think, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was just a horrible game, honestly. Yeah. It was yeah, just yeah. an awful game. And um, it's not a, it wasn't a match befitting of a final, but that's what happens when you get Mourinho in these situations, when he has – uh, especially when he has put everything on the line on one game. It's not yeah. like uh, United was pushing hard in the league. It's not like United uh, was really focused on anything else these last three months other than this competition. Mm-hmm. So um, that, um, yeah, unfortunately, so, so, was, the, was the net effect of it. Yeah, for the neutral, yeah, not the best game to watch uh, by far. But before the, the Man United supporter, I mean, all they wanted to do is win it. They've won it. So a huge celebration there. It was interesting, Carter, because when I did get back, uh, get back to my cousin's house in London uh, and the game had just finished. So in the UK, they, they were showing it on BT Sport, but also on YouTube. So they're showing the Champions League final and the uh, Europa League final uh, live on YouTube. And the reason that they're doing that is UK only. The reason that they're doing that is the TV viewing numbers in the UK for the Champions League uh, on BT Sport have been far lower than uh, what they what they promised to the advertisers. So in order to bump up the numbers and get, get those numbers up to a respectable number where the advertisers are happy in terms of what they were promised, you mean, however many millions of people watching uh, these tournaments, that's what they did. So it was an interesting experience just watching uh, BT Sport through YouTube post-match. And um, the post-match really was mostly just uh, a little bit Michael Owen, Rio Ferdinand, um, just just their analysis, which neither I'm of them... I'm not sure like, there was no analysis. Again, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, neither of them. I, 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 I do not, I'm not big fans of uh, either of them. So... It was mostly kind of uh, post-match footage of just the, the United uh, supporters and Zlatan uh, taking all the credits and, and uh, kind of posing in front of the fans. That was the post-match coverage. So wasn't wasn't that impressed there from um, BT Sports? But oh well. Yeah, and, and uh, just finishing up on the week. Uh, then uh, that night was an NWSL game between North Carolina and Sky Blue. Uh, 
good game, similar top two teams in NWSL thus far the season, similar good ID issues. Uh, then the early morning uh, U.S. Uh, U20 U.S. Senegal game, which uh, Josh Sargent got the lone goal, great cross from Brooks Lennon. Uh, Brooks Lennon's having a really, really good tournament. Uh, a player who was on Liverpool's books but has been loaned uh, back to Major League Soccer. I don't know what the future is for the 19-year-old. He, he's not at that level, right, to play for Liverpool. But a good player who could end up uh, somewhere else, maybe, in, in Europe. Uh, has put in some delicious crosses. Has, uh, has um, I think, been... Re- responsible in one way or another for three of the four U.S. goals in this tournament. So, um, And obviously, Sargent has three goals. And Sargent, it is being reported by Taylor Twelman, will sign when he turns 18. He's 17 still. Uh, when he turns 18, which will be early next year, 2018, with Werder Bremen. So that's a more another young American player going to the Bundesliga. And you wonder, and this is a topic for another week, but you wonder now if... Um, this is the, the push for the Bundesliga in the United States uh, is, is having all these young American players. I talked about Tadigway and Winston McKinney, who made his uh, Weston McKinney made his Schalke debut at the weekend, uh, first team debut. Haji Wright, who's going to be a first team member next year for Schalke. Obviously, Pulisic, and you have um, uh, the Timothy Timmy Chandler's and, and uh, Fabian Johnson's, John Brooks, etc. Still in that league. Bobby Wood. If this is a push for the Bundesliga on this match. Uh, Glenn Davis and Brian Dunseth were on the call, and I thought they were really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Dunning is getting better as a co-commentator all the time. Um, yeah, he's solid. He He's solid, and, and um, I would encourage Fox to keep him in, in circulation in, in these uh, uh, opportunities, USU 20, um, Europa League, the, the places. I, I, I realize they, they uh, don't use them on Champions League, and, and they generally don't use them very much on MLS, but um, when they have the opportunity to use them, because I thought he had a really good, uh, good game at, at like a 2 o'clock wake-up call on the West Coast. Maybe he didn't go to bed. <laughs> I don't know how, how they did it, but... Um, I, I thought both he and Glenn Davis were were, were solid. So yeah. um, that was the week that was. Yeah, it, it's interesting with Brian Zunseth because um, he doesn't get get as much exposure as you would think. I mean, he does get exposure, but not not the big game. So I wonder, in terms of who his agent is, maybe his agent isn't pushing him as much. Or, but he's. I mean, MLS games, yes, he's all over the place. He's, he does a bunch of those, and uh, well, he does real Salt Lake games. I think maybe part of the conflict, right? To right. Why he can't do, but, but he, he doesn't do enough MLS games. On Fox or on ESPN brought him in for a couple of weeks at the end of uh, no during the Euros right when Taylor Twellman was away in, in in France last year yeah but other than that he doesn't get much national exposure on MLS teams it's generally things like this you know U twenties Concacaf Champions yeah. League he ends up calling uh, the occasional Europa League game I think he's been on a, a lot of the the FS two. Uh, Europa League games, not even the FS1, not, not the Manchester United or uh, other big English team Europa League games. It's always been the uh, the Villarreal versus you know, Ajax game, right? Um, yeah, but, but 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 the two things to me, I mean, I mean to me for Europa League, I would have much have preferred Keith Costigan and Brian Dunseth doing the commentary than Lalas. And Lalas is great in the studio. Whether you love him or hate him, but as a, co- a co-commentator, I, I don't think he's any good at all. It just you mean it's uh, it's almost and, like- and actually they paired Costigan and Dunsith on a bunch of Europa League games during the group stage and even during the knockout stage. So that's that's an interesting observation, Chris, because they didn't keep that team together yeah. for the final. And that's that's a good point. Yeah, and and even Dunsith too. I mean, he could be. You mean down the road, perhaps an NBC could could pick him up to use kind of a have an American like co-com or analyst. As an analyst, I don't think Brian's Dunsith's the greatest, but. Uh, Definitely as a, a commentator or, or a co-com, but but yeah, um, I did watch a few games while I was gone. So uh, actually, before I left, and that one of the games was the semi-final in the championship in the playoffs, and that was um, both legs of the Sheffield Wednesday Huddersfield games and the Reading Fulham games. Actually, the second legs I think I saw in those. Um, so far, I mean, the final is this this Monday on Memorial Day. Um, between Huddersfield and Reading. I was not impressed with Reading, and I wasn't that impressed with Huddersfield, but Huddersfield did win the match against uh, Wednesday um, in that second leg uh, through penalty kicks. And uh, it was both teams were pretty equal um, in, until, the, until the end, and they had to be a winner. Huddersfield now uh, with manager, uh, coach uh, David Wagner. You could have a German-American perhaps back in the Premier League. 
But uh, I wasn't impressed with either Huddersfield mm-hmm. or Reading. Or you might have an American player, German American player, also in, in Dane Williams. So you got yeah. Williams versus Wagner, which is the big, uh, um, the big American. There'll be an American, an additional American in the Premier League, one way or another next next season. Uh, David Wagner, a player who was one of the last cuts for the 1998 World Cup by Steve Sampson, never played again for the United States after that, but is uh, uh, does have an American passport and. Uh, speaks good English because of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, in fact, Eric Ronaldo has told stories about how when he first got to the U.S. team, he couldn't speak English at all and, and, and kind of picked it up uh, being around the team. And there were enough American players who spoke German. Keep in mind, uh, in that era, you had a lot of Americans playing in Germany, just like we have again now. Uh, and then Danny Williams. So that's that's on DN at, um, nice. at, at, on Monday. Yeah. At Wembley now, this this is a period of time when the Wembley turf is pretty torn up. We had the Bradford Millwall final on Sunday, then you got FA Cup final on Saturday. I think we had the conference final uh, uh, before that, and then now you've got uh, it culminates with the championship uh, playoff final. So, plus uh, plus, having been in England for the past week, um, Kartik, I, I didn't use my raincoat once. It was beautiful weather. Uh, in the 70 degrees, sometimes 60 degrees, just just blue skies. Uh, summertime has arrived in England, so um, so that turf might be a bit uh, on the dry side, perhaps. But of, of course, oh, knowing, knowing London, it could be raining uh, all weekends. But uh, it's going to be a big match. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm just haven't been impressed so far with the the level, um, the playing level. Uh, but perhaps maybe in the final on Monday, it'll it'll kind of uh, go up a few bars and, and uh, impress me more. But some, something I did watch um, these last few weeks, I did, I did want to mention that uh, if any listeners are kind of looking for things to kind of watch, um, especially with no Premier League matches on now too, um, as well as I mean La Liga season ending, etc. Um, I've watched a few documentaries on YouTube, and I just want to mention a few of them, um, just to let listeners know. The first one is called uh, Two Hearts, One Soul, and it's a 10-minute documentary about the relationship between Notts County and Juventus, and it's a 114-year history between both clubs. So what happens is every season, Notts County fans travel to Italy to watch uh, a Juve game, and vice versa, Juve fans travel to Nottingham to watch Notts County play. And uh, the reason that, that they do this, and, and kind of the behind-the-scenes footage of showing what happens, is that uh, in 1903, Juventus adopted Notts County's club colours. So the, the strip that, you know, the famous black and, black and white uh, stripes, that that's actually from Notts County. That's where they got the inspiration for um, for that design. Um, so that both clubs have kept a, a close interest among the supporters groups uh, through all these years, and, and that was that was interesting. Um, another one was called um, "Trouble at the Top," and this is a BBC documentary. Uh, this is and, and where can you find the two hearts one soul? Oh, oh okay. So all of these are on YouTube. So all of these are free. All of them are on YouTube. The full the full length uh, documentaries. All of these. So the next one was "Trouble at the Top." This one goes back probably, oh gosh, a good 20 years or so, uh, maybe more. But it's a BBC documentary about Luton Town and how they went into administration but fought back uh, through the help of their supporters' trust. Uh, it was it felt like a like a mockumentary. It, it, was one of the, it felt like Spinal Tap as if this whole thing, this behind-the-scenes kind of footage of what, what was happening at Luton Town and how the club was in trouble and they had a, a buyer trying to come in to buy the club and the chairman was trying to negotiate the deal um it felt like it was a mockumentary because it, it just seemed very surreal and didn't seem like how a football club should be run but uh it was a true story it was all all the footage was real uh, just an eye-opening look at how shady uh this club chairman was and um and how especially in the lower leagues in terms of how football clubs are run um really eye-opening so if you get a chance to watch that uh that's highly recommended. Uh, two other ones I watched. One, one was called uh, Justin Fashionu, Fallen Hero. And that was uh, a really wonderfully produced documentary about, uh, to me, one of the greatest English natural talents from the 1980s. And um, in watching this, this is more basically his life story. Justin Fashionu, who was a, a really talented um, uh, striker, uh, played for Norwich City, uh, scored one, which was goal of the season, one of the best goals I think I've, I've ever seen against Liverpool back in the early 80s. But um, what I didn't realize is that how many connections he had with soccer in the U.S. 
near the end of his, his career. Uh, he came over to the U.S. Um, after his basically his English uh, career was over. Came over here. He played for some teams. Uh, also was a coach for some lower le- uh, lower league teams in the U.S. But um, and then sadly he uh, he he died. I believe he committed suicide when he moved back to England. But really well worth watching. Um, whether whether you know much about Justin Fashionu or you or you don't, but but definitely check that one out. Carter, did you did you know about the the U.S. connection in terms of how? Yeah, when the, when the uh, Atlanta Silverbacks started, um, he was on the team and he was the big the big star that they uh, they kind of marketed that first year or two of, of that club. And I, I think the club was called uh, the Ruckus then. But uh, he was there, and then uh, he had come to the U.S. prior to that before going back to England, uh, I believe. Or, or, uh, or Scotland or, or wherever. I mean, he had been. Um, he had played with uh, a team in the APSL and, and had just kind of floated around. And, and um, there was a really good story the uh, a week or two ago in the Guardian, uh, and, I, and, I, and it was very heartfelt from his brother. Um, mm-hmm. and, and his brother basically admitted. I, I'm, I don't want to get this wrong here, but I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing that he didn't quite understand. In 1997, when uh, uh, or 98, when when uh, he committed suicide, uh, when Justin committed suicide, uh, what? what he had gone through, what it was, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what it was like to be, uh, a, a black footballer and to be a gay footballer. And yeah. he, he couldn't relate to that now in hindsight. And he always fought with his brother and he always kind of, um, uh, try, try, try to scold his brother for not being more of a conformist. And, uh, and, and just, I might be getting some of these things wrong. So uh, no, Google no, no, the no. article the, in, in yeah, uh, the guardian. Right. For the right. listeners, but it was really it was really heartfelt, and basically said, um, "Now I understand. Um, I love my brother. I wish I wish I had had his um, had his vision, his understanding, his courage at the time twenty years ago. Yeah. It, was, it was fantastic, fantastic read. Yeah. Uh, it'll you'll tear up reading it. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually the, the actual documentary too goes into that too in, in terms of the relationship between." John Fashionu, who wasn't as good of a footballer as Justin was, but John Fashionu went on to play with Wimbledon and kind of the crazy gang. And if anything, had had probably at the end of the day, probably more silverware, more trophies to, to show than, than Justin. And Justin was one with a natural talent, but um, a lot of it was money kind of went to his head and, um, and, and things basically kind of t- took a, a bad turn after that in terms of once his, uh, once his playing career, once he started after the peak, and uh, wasn't getting the goals. Also, also his relationship too with Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest, and how that was uh, a really tough time for Justin Fashionu. So a whole bunch of different aspects of that one, that highly recommended. Last but not least, there's one called uh, "They Think It's All Rovers," and it's a documentary about Doncaster Rovers and the plight the club found itself uh, on the basically on the verge of relegation from the Football League. Uh, to the conference um, these days, Don, Don, Doncaster Rovers are doing much better with a brand new stadium. But this documentary goes back and shows kind of the plight that this uh, club was in, and uh, where it was on the verge of bankruptcy and, uh, and relegation from professional football to non-league football. Um, another highly recommended uh, uh, documentary, and it's on YouTube and it's free. So, contact before we move on to the next segment, I do want to mention a word from our sponsor, and that is SeatGeek. So buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to buy tickets to live events, and with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, and there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have a SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to, uh, to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find tickets. And I've been using it from the, the last few weeks to look for tickets for International Champions uh, Cup games this summer, and uh, the app experience was simple and easy to use. Now, SeatGeek is just designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time by searching uh, multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately de- identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, 
so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Now, this summer, we've got International Champions Cup, we've got uh, Gold Cup, and we've got tons of international friendlies uh, featuring national teams as well as some of the biggest clubs from around the world coming to the U.S., and including uh, Mexico, too, a lot of Liga MX clubs, too. So it's SeatGeek should be your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their SeatGeek uh, purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code WSTPOD today. That's promo code WSTPOD for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, Kartik, uh, let's move on to the TV streaming news. So uh, what's going on in that world? Yeah, so BN Sports uh, has launched a Roku app uh, that has both BN Sports channels as well as uh, the 10 BN Sports Connect channels. You have to authenticate uh, to prove that you're a TV subscriber in order to access it, which uh, is part of the course with uh, ESPN and Fox and NBC's apps as well. Yeah, and I'd say this season I have watched more games through BN Sports Connect than, than ever. I mean, there's just been so much coverage, so it's, it's great that they, they do offer that. Now, as far as other news, uh, Fox Sports has announced some uh, preliminary news regarding its coverage of the Confederations Cup uh, this June. Uh, Fox Sports will televise all 16 Confederation Cup games live from Russia from June 17th to July 2nd uh, across its portfolio of networks. FS1 carries 12 matches, with two each appearing on the Fox Broadcast Network and FS2. In addition to the live game action, Fox Sports also offers daily pre-match and post-match studio coverage, plus ten editions of FIFA Cup Confederation. Uh, pardon me, FIFA Confederations Cup tonight. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, an hour-long show offering analysis and commentary of the day's events. So so far, Kartik, at least uh, it's par for the course. Um, even the show calling it FIFA Confederations Cup tonight. Uh, which is pretty long, but um, even the same type of format that we've seen from like the the women's cult, uh, World Cup, where they had, I think, FIFA Women's World Cup tonight. Um, nothing too surprising so far, but um, but with a couple of the games being on the Big Fox Network, uh, we'll have to wait and see what those are. But um, all in all, it's it's good that uh, there will be coverage. Now, Kartik. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Anything, anything to add there? No, no, go on. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I can tell you're a big fan of the, of the Confederations Cup. All right, it says moving on to TV ratings. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'll watch some of the tournament, but I'm just not. I've never been uh, too thrilled with this whole uh, the emphasis on this tournament. Even when the US made the run to the finals in 2009, I'm, it's it's uh, largely a throwaway event. Yeah, it's it's good for me at least. It's good to have on on, on the background, and then I'll watch probably most of the matches, uh, if not all of the matches. And uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be better than than we think. Uh, maybe it'll be more entertaining. But we'll have to wait and see. Okay, so let's talk about TV ratings. Uh, the first number is a massive one from Liga MX, and that is 2.1 million people tuned in to watch Chivas against Toluca on uh, Univision and Univision Deportes on Sunday. Uh, from 6.30 to 8.30 Eastern. Now, this was the Clausura uh, semi-final second leg. Uh, Kartik, uh, you talked about the uh, the final, the first leg um, at the top of the hour of the show, but 2.1 million, that, that's an incredible number uh, for Liga Max. Yeah. And I think the final might even be higher. The Sunday night second leg is going to be a massive number of Tigres and Chivas. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially... Uh, with the way the first game went, and um, yeah, and with it being Sunday too, that's always always a, a great time for um, you mean. And that's the thing too for Chivas. I mean, they have a huge support in the United States, but uh, even for fans that don't are not fans of Chivas, uh, they'll be watching, uh, probably hoping that if they're Club America fans, hoping that Chivas loses. Um, the other interesting thing, Kartik, too, is that as far as um, spa- um, Mexican soccer. 390,000 people tuned in to watch uh, Dorados against Lobos. And this was the Ascenso uh, playoff final. So this is the playoff final similar to the championship uh, playoff final where the winner of this one then gets promoted, uh, in this case, to Liga MX. But 390,000 people tuned in to watch that one on Saturday. Uh, I believe this was on Univision Deportes uh, from 10 o'clock until midnight. 
And for most soccer fans in the United States, probably most of us aren't familiar with Dorados or Lobos, but uh, that's a big number. And actually, it's a bigger number than, I believe, I think any MLS game for the entire weekend. Just goes to show. I mean, again, it's the promotion side of things, uh, which people love. you got Mexican soccer, which people love. Um, and it, it, it's meaningful. It's a meaningful game that, that means a lot with, uh, with Lobos uh, getting promoted to uh, Liga Max. Yeah. So uh, some of these other numbers um, that jump out too. So um, for Arsenal against Everton on NBC for that final uh, Sunday, uh, that had 787,000 people tuned in for that one. Uh, the Bayern Munich against Freiburg uh, game, which was really meaningless in, in terms of, uh, I mean, the, the title had already been wrapped up. But that was on Big Fox, and that was on the Saturday uh, from 9.30 to 11.30 Eastern. That had 395,000 people watching that one. Um, as far as MLS goes, we had uh, LA Galaxy against Minnesota United. This one, for, by MLS standards, is a good number. It's, uh, we had 331,000 people that tuned in to watch this game uh, on ESPN on Sunday. Uh, 298,000 people for Liverpool against Borough on NBCSN on that uh, final Sunday of the, the Premier League season. Uh, 207,000 people for Malaga against Real Madrid on BN Sports, uh, which is a little bit disappointing on, on the Sunday there. And then uh, 173,000 people for uh, New York City FC against Orlando on FS1 on Sunday. Any any uh, any of those that jump out or any thoughts on those, Karthik? Yeah, it's not bad. The MLS ratings are again 173 for NYC or FC Orlando. This is the third teams have played already this season and the third time it's either been on FS1 or ESPN. So a little bit of overkill. That they, MLS has tried to create a rivalry between those two teams and I believe it does exist between the fans of those two teams uh, because of the very different approaches that came into the league in the same year. Orlando was a league, a team that had been built and promoted from the lower divisions. So let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, we got one message this week. This is from uh, our former co-host, actually former host of the show, Nipun Chopra. And uh, he sent this in through email. He says, uh, good part this week. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that uh, uh, NC Courage, so North Carolina Courage, is the NWSL team, the women's team. NCFC, which is uh, what, North, North Carolina FC, is the NASL team. Uh, Chris, I think you accidentally said uh, NC Courage a couple of times in the pod. In regards that's probably to- my that's probably my fault because I haven't watched a single minute of uh, <laughs> NC NCFC, the NASL team all season. I haven't seen them play a single minute, whereas I've watched just about every minute of the NC Courage. So I'm talking yeah. about them every week and probably rubbed off on you. And uh, the NCFC team used to be called the Carolina Railhawks last yeah. season. So maybe uh, the brand confusion and our confusion is due to that ownership group changing the name of the team yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, it is a bit confusing. So uh, so I, I'm sure I'll be in July going to see Swansea City in the friendly that they're playing against uh, NC Courage. Actually, no, 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 NCFC. NCFC. And not NC Courage. Uh, so... Oh, what a mess! All right. Anyway, if you guys, if you guys, listeners, uh, do have any questions, uh, feedback, uh, or comments um, about anything about in in relation to soccer coverage um, or uh, how how to cut the cord and watch soccer um, on online, etc., YouTube, you name it, uh, send us an email at web at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, send us a, a tweet at uh, wsoccertalk. Or hit us up, up on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Now, let's move on to our feature topic of the week, and that is to discuss uh, the changes that NBC needs to make to its EPL coverage next season. Now, this season is the first one uh, since NBC has acquired the rights to the, the Premier League where the TV ratings numbers have gone down from um, a previous season. So far, this, uh, you know, this we're into like what the third year um, and so far, every single year, the, the, the numbers have gone up and up and up. Uh, this year went down. But I think that's more a basically a, a result of the um, kind of the cord cutting, really, uh, for a lot, lot of it. Not so much the, the quality of what we've seen on television or the quality of coverage. But having said that, though, too, it's, just still, it's still a concern. And um, I wonder what changes NBC should consider for next season. So, so Kartik, I'll have you kick it off, too, in terms of what you've seen thus far and uh, maybe some areas of improvement where you might think that they can fix things uh, or make improve them for, for next season. Yeah, I, I think that 
obviously we've been pretty spoiled by NBC's coverage and uh, it's been very good and, and they've fallen into a routine. But I think maybe there's a need, just like there is with a club at some point, even when a club is winning titles, to freshen things up, to maybe add some new features. I think uh, one thing that could be very helpful is to have some sort of midweek bumper programming that keeps, uh, when they're not midweek matches, that keeps a conversation about the Premier League alive and gives is a destination for people who are fans of the league to get excited about the, the matches coming up that weekend or the context of what's going on in the league. So uh, maybe even if it's a once-a-week show uh, with uh, with uh, Marquino, Musso, and Earl, a rotation, and, and maybe you're, you're overworking Rebecca Lowe, so you need another host, but... Um, that sort of kind of magazine program where there's some analysis, uh, men and blazers doesn't cut it as far as that's concerned. Okay. So that's, that's, I think, uh, one thing I would look at. Second thing is maybe bringing in a fourth studio analyst so you can rotate, um, a little more and, um, I'm not quite sure who that person would be. I mean, you just, uh, we, we talked maybe about one of the prospective people, uh, Brian Dunstead, I think would be pretty good, uh, earlier that, that would be a guy, although he's been more a co-commentator than a studio guy, but I think he, he would probably acclimate well to the studio. There are a few guys at ESPN. I, I, I would look at Brian McBride, um, certainly, uh, a shock at his lap. I mean, Craig Burley would be my first choice, but he, he's contracted to ESPN for a while longer. Um, maybe that's what you do. Maybe uh, a McBride or a Casey Keller is, is a safe landing spot. Both of those guys have played in the league and uh, have a great deal of knowledge about the league. And in fact, uh, I, I think, to be honest with you, on uh, the ESPN program, uh, McBride is more comfortable talking Premier League than he is Major League Soccer for whatever reason. So um, maybe a guy like that. But those would be those would be my basic suggestions. And I think the other thing is possibly to make Premier League download more um you don't have to make it more regular but you have to make it more expected if you, if you know what i mean it's just randomly you, the downloads are coming out it will be a Premier League download uh one week and then you won't have another one for six weeks and then you'll have them three weeks in a row so more consistency in how they're scheduled and released yeah overall i think i think nbc's coverage is is fantastic it's just definitely a trailblazer um there are areas of improvements um I like your idea, Kartik, in terms of um, having more coverage during the midweek or, or when there aren't games on. So basically the Tuesday through Friday for, for the most part. Um, I think one of those things, though, too, I mean, they, they've started to rely a little bit more on, on Premier League productions, using more of their content. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of other shows that Premier League pr- productions do out of England, um, interview shows, analysis shows that, of course, would not feature NBC talent. But uh, if there's a, a way to for NBC to kind of start using more of that content and, and use that as filler, filler is okay. I think for uh, Tuesday through Fridays, maybe having more of the Premier League news show, which is I think a really quality, well produced show. Uh, that's a great kind of catch up uh, to find out what's going on, what, what happened in, in the Premier League that day. And as you know, Kartik, and I know too. That's the thing with the Premier League too. It doesn't stop uh, when the season's over, and doesn't stop doesn't start up again when the season kicks off. The summer usually is a very frenetic time. It's a very busy time in, in terms of uh, managers coming and going. We've already seen that in this this past week. Uh, there's always the news about uh, the fixtures coming out and uh, TV schedules. But the transfer market that's the big one, and that's the biggest area that. NBC uh, misses out on. I mean, yes, it's great to have Neil Ashton on weekends giving uh, his insight in terms of what's happening uh, behind the scenes at, at the clubs and what's going on with uh, transfer dealings. And uh, it's great to have that uh, that wrap-up show or the live show on the uh, the final day of the window. But outside of that, there's, there's a huge opportunity that they're missing out on. Um, a lot of that coverage is probably more applicable to um, breaking news and having that online. Um, but I don't know about you, Kartik, but I, I don't really visit the NBC website uh, for soccer news. I mean, yes, they have some great people on there and some great coverage, but uh, that's not why, where I go to for my news, uh, especially when it's breaking news or insight. So, 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 so definitely some opportunities to improve there. Yeah, I, I don't think that they've, uh, and if there's one critique of them, I don't think they've quite gotten down what the right role is for NBC Pro Soccer Talk or for NBCSports.com, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that uh, and how it complements their coverage. And they've had Joe Prince Wright, who's very talented, doing that for a number of years. But I, I don't um, for four years now. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure they fit that into their coverage as seamlessly as uh, as as you would like. Uh, although I have to say that that's the same same situation with Fox and FoxSoccer.com, where I don't think that that fits seamlessly into what they're doing uh, from a uh, television perspective. Now, ESPN has somehow. Um, done a better job of it, and, and mm-hmm. part of that is having a guy like Gab Marcotti um, as you know, a, a feature, and Honigstein and Sid Lowe as, as kind of featured journalists who are also on the show regularly. Although those guys all write for other publications, also. So that's um, although Marcotti, Marcotti has a lot on uh, ESPNFC.com. He also, as we know, writes for everybody under the sun. Um, maybe the most in-demand uh, English soccer journalist um, globally, and for good reason because he's real good at this. But I, I don't think that they've quite gotten uh, gotten it down. Yeah, uh, the, the relationship between web and um, and um, television, and even the relationship between the show called Premier League Download and how you access that online. Yeah, yeah, d- definitely. The, the website is clunky. Um, it- and listeners know anytime you go to the, the site and you want to watch some videos, whether it's highlights or um, perhaps maybe you missed some coverage uh, of, of some of the games or you want to watch um, the Premier League fantasy show, um, you have to watch an ad I mean, pre-roll by t- before every single thing. So if you want to hop from video to video to video, oftentimes you're watching the same ad over and over again. It, it's, it's not a really good experience. I, I do know that... Um, Pierre Moussa, who's the the head producer at NBC Sports and and really one of the key people responsible for how how great this coverage is that we do see on, on NBC from the the Premier League, uh, he has hired somebody um, as a, on his team to be the point person that's going to help in terms of the the handoff. So we've seen this uh, this season too a little bit too where Rebecca Lowe would tease. Uh, a feature that's that's featured on the NBC website to go check it NBCSports.com to check that out and 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 read whatever the the topic is. Um, from personal experience, when that's happened, I've gone to the NBC Sports website, whatever it was, I can't, I can't remember the examples, but I couldn't find the story that there were the teasing. So, yeah, this definitely um, it's kind of left hand, right hand. They're not uh, it, 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 working. To together. be honest with you, I, I didn't even notice that. I don't even remember that. So yeah. that that tells you kind of how, how much of, how memorable it was for. Me and I'm not the, the the sole focus group on this, but I don't remember them teasing that stuff uh, that frequently. Yeah. So, so, so just a few things from my point of view in terms of some things uh, to improve. One is I think at this point we need to reconsider. Um, NBC should reconsider the whole idea of having Championship Sunday. Yes, it's great to have all those games across all those networks, um, but we've seen it now that it's very. It happens very so, so infrequently that anything of, of real material must see watching happens on that day. It's usually the, the season's wrapped up with a couple of weeks to go before before the end uh, for relegation as well as the title um, and sometimes the Champions League spots. But it's it's a it's anticlimactic. It, it's it's one of those things. I like the idea and I appreciate their, them doing that. But even for us, Kartik, as being hardcore soccer fans, uh, it's hard to get really. You mean really kind of uh, passionate about that final final day, um, and maybe maybe from NBC's point of view, maybe they look at this as more of a marketing opportunity to expand um, the amount of people to watch watch these games. It's, it's just become a day with a lot of dead rubbers and yeah. a lot of goals, and because there've been a lot of goals in the games the last few years, and, and we we always think back to Fergie's last game that was still in the days when Fox and ESPN showed these games, but. Um, the, the 5-5 West Brom. But there have been a ton of games like that through the years on the final day of the season. Uh, and obviously this week it was no exception. Goals galore. That maybe it's also, perhaps because there are so many dead rubbers, I, uh, um, an opportunity to show that soccer can be high scoring to a mass American audience that wouldn't normally be exposed to the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then something else too. Uh, from my personal point of view, uh, and again, listeners might, might disagree with this, but I'm getting a bit burnt out on, on Arlo White. Um, it's wonderful that he's there in in the stadiums, in, in the commentary uh, uh, gantries, doing the games. But um, but oftentimes he's doing sometimes like on average two games a weekend, sometimes three games a weekend. Um, and I think it's getting a little bit stale. I'd, I'd like to see if um, NBC could could consider 
putting somebody else in to maybe Steve Bauer would be the, the natural as far as giving him more games to do. But, uh, but perhaps somebody else It's just, um, I mean, all those, I don't know. He, it's, I'm just, just getting a bit burnt out on, um, listening to his commentaries. I don't find them as, as appealing as I did when, uh, NBC started the Premier League, um, coverage way back when a few years ago. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, Unfortunately, and I, and I think the thing with Arlo also is that he's very, um, he's just very, um, he, he's very busy in kind of his, his presentation style. So for a lot of people who prefer a British style of commentary, even though he has a British accent, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he's not their cup of tea. Uh, I, I'm used to him. I've gotten accustomed to him. But I think there's also the, the issue of overexposure with him, yeah. where he's calling so many games and uh, sometimes as many as three games a weekend. Yeah, generally uh, one or two, but still that um, maybe you want to freshen it up, mix it up a little bit. Uh, that having been said, you see the incredible chemistry of the group. And when they brought in, and I mentioned this on the Premier League download uh, from uh, the one from Pundits at the Lane, when they brought Phil Neville into the group, he didn't seem to have the same chemistry with the rest of the, the guys. Yep. Um, and there was no Earl of White that day. It was Steve Bauer. But Bauer and uh, Martino and Earl and, 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 and Musso and, and Dixon and Lasseau, uh Neville seemed to not, not fit in with the group of, of the rest of them. Um, mm-hmm. And Bauer was consistently trying to engage him. Now, obviously, Bauer uh, was Manchester was a Manchester United uh, MUTV presenter when uh, uh, Phil Neville was still at the club there, and then also um, his brother, obviously, was captain of Manchester United. So uh, there's a relationship there. But yeah, I, I you know, and I that made me think because I, I keep thinking they need to freshen up their talent, and I, I said it at the outset of the segment. But uh, maybe they have such a really good thing with chemistry. It's just like a football club. It's just like a playing squad mm-hmm. that you if you interject the wrong element. In that um, playing squad, the chemistry goes to uh, goes to play. Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah, and and, and it's unfortunate too that um, when Arlo did go missing, well, he wasn't going missing. Uh, his his wife had surgery, went went into the hospital, so they they had to. Uh, he, he wasn't able to actually commentate one of the big games. Um, to me, I didn't really miss him that much. I think it was Steve Barrow stepped in. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, it should be noted. Bauer uh, Bauer has. Uh, massive BBC commitments also, which is yeah. why we don't see him as much as maybe we'd like to. Uh, yeah. But um, he does seem to be available midweek, which goes back to my midweek point, because he's, he's generally um, brought in to give some analysis every Monday, whenever there's a Monday game. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps he has more time on a Tuesday or a Thursday so, uh, where he could, he could even anchor a show from the UK for NBC. Right, right. And then my last uh, comment in terms of uh, improvements that NBC can make, and 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 to me, uh, again, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you've you've heard this before. But I really want them to get rid of the uh, the advertorials, the uh, the product placements. Uh, it's really cheap, and it cheapens the whole coverage in terms of um, uh, you mean the, the halftime and, and post match analysis and, and pre match analysis when they're going out of the way to, to promote certain products and, and using touchscreens and tablets. I, I don't think it's necessary. And, and, and again, I think it cheapens the product. And, and if anything, <laughs> makes me not want to go out there and get that product uh, just because it, it pisses me off. I mean, I, I don't, you mean, it, it just feels fake. And it's, you mean, NBC's better than that. They don't have to, to resort to things like that. Yes, I'm sure um, Microsoft is paying them a lot of money to do those product placements. and uh, But there's got to be a better way where you don't um, upset the, the viewer or, uh, you mean, there's, there's got to be a better way to pr- promote those things without being so um, blatant about it. Any, anything else, Kartik, in terms of uh, any other things that they can improve upon that you can think of? No, I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, in, in some cases, we might be drawing at straws because they do such a good job, but uh, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, definitely. So, Kartik, where can listeners uh, find you um, on the internet? Uh, you can find me at KKFLA737 on Twitter, and my DMs are open, so uh, feel free to contact me anytime.
Excellent. Well, well, thanks for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday or Friday. Um, this week it was a little bit later just because I was traveling uh, from the UK. Um, every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, Audioboom, and worldsoccertalk.com. And if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and uh, be sure to give us a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. So uh, on behalf of uh, me and Kartik, thank you for listening. And Kartik, over to you. Enjoy your football. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.